Hello, everyone. This is Yuri Ezips from CSM Practice, the customer success consulting firm. And today, we're going to have one of the award-winning companies for transforming their customer service program. And I have David Collier with me. David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi there. Yeah, sure. My name is David Collier. I'm Chief Customer Officer for ECI Software Solutions. I've been with ECI for a little over five years now. Background includes really always on the customer side of things with companies like Sun Microsystems, Netscape, if also with AOL Time Warner, as well as McAfee and Intel. So, but most recently with ECI and ECI, we provide ERP solutions for um, small and medium-sized businesses globally. Real proud of, of kind of our business model and, and our growth strategy and, and where we've headed and particularly excited about uh, the changes and the improvements that we've made around, other, around our customer experience. All right. So before we jump in, tell us a little bit about ECI Software Solutions. What makes this company unique and what happened before you started this complete renovation of your service program? So we are built around six different verticals. And so we we provide ERP solutions in, for instance, the manufacturing vertical. We also handle residential home construction, lumber building materials. So we have different divisions and there's five of them. And prior to my arrival at ECI, the approach was to run each of those divisions as separate companies, essentially, in many regards. And so the services teams were all within the divisions and run separately and independently in a vacuum from each other. And there was really no collaboration or or any type of best practice sharing or anything like that with those groups. You know, they were delivering relatively good service at that point, but we recognized that there was a lot of opportunity to really bring those teams together and create a, a truly world-class organization that could support all of the divisions in a much more scalable manner and with a better customer experience. And so you started that initiative in what year? We started it back in 2018. For the biggest part of that year, it was really just just building out the structure. I joined ECI in 2017 with, then my first job was just to learn and to understand how the teams were supporting customers at that point and formulate a recommendation for a new structure that we would move into. And so that was really 2017 and 2018 was building out that structure, implementing a new case tracking system that was integrated in with our other CRM systems within the company and reorganizing the teams and moving the teams over into the new structure and getting them settled in. So that was really in 2018. And we really kind of finished that move at the end of 2018. And it worked out pretty pretty well for us because then we started 2019 fresh in the year in the new structure and we're able to really see and, and track things well and, and see the improvements that we made pretty cleanly. Okay, so I want to double click on that 2018 a little bit, because what you've done is not necessarily very easy. So first of all, I want to double click in the sense of what have you exactly done? Did you take the support team, the PS team from being under the specific GM or even specific regions and then have them all report up against one organization that's chief customer success officer or chief customer officer? Yeah, that's that's exactly what we did. So 
2018 really was us. And of course, there was a lot of work with the divisions because this was a massive change effort for us. And there were a lot of different uh, stakeholders in it and champions and a lot of people that had never worked in a kind of global scalable model before that we had to really work hard. The biggest part of what we did in 2018 was change management. And so really helping the the stakeholders understand the benefit and the value of what we were doing, be able to give them some concrete examples of where that's happened and what the results were, and be able to also get them on board with what the rollout plan was, because obviously this is a big change. It's changing the tire on the buses we're driving. And so we couldn't just put everything on hold and for a year and go through a change and then flip the switch. We really had to do this in a way that improved things for our customers, but also didn't upset the customers with the change. We also had to do the same thing with the business. We didn't want to really cause a lot of disruption to the business as we were going through these changes either. So there was a delicate balance to be played with moving and adding new things in while doing it in a subtly enough way that people didn't really feel uncomfortable with it. And that's always a challenge. And so this being a big effort that we had, there were a lot of people involved And really what we did is we restructured and we brought everybody into one organization under myself. We created three tiers, which isn't really a a novel concept in and of itself. We did some kind of novel things with the tiers, but it was a relatively standard three-tier structure with some nuances to it. Really, the the biggest nuances that we had was, was the focus on our tier one, which we are calling our customer experience specialists. So we, we, the nickname for them is, or the acronym is CES. And really all first contact comes through that organization. And the way we positioned this organization is previously we, in technical support, they had all hired technical resources because of course they're technical support people. And what that causes, especially in this, the small and medium sized business space, there's a communication delta sometimes between our technical people and the mom and pop shops that may be running their business that don't understand technical speak. And so it caused frustration on our technical people's side because the customer didn't understand a lot of times what they were talking about. And it caused frustration on the customer end of things because they always felt like the technical people were talking over their heads. They didn't know what they were talking about. So we created this team specifically to solve two problems. One is the communication challenge. So the skill set that we hired for the CES team really is a non-technical skill set. It's more of a customer service skill set. It's soft skills. It's listening to the customer, understanding what their issues are, being able to identify what resources could help that customer in the best way, and then route them to those technical resources as quickly as possible. So that was really a different skill set than we had ever hired against previously. And then the second challenge that we were trying to solve with CS team is hold times. And so, as you can imagine, we had all of these teams and they were all made up of these technical folks. So when a customer would call in or email in or whatever, they were busy working on solving problems. And so if the phone would ring, you would always get that challenge of, well, who's not busy that can pick up the phone? Who's not already on with a customer that can pick up the phone? And so we had a challenge with our hold times before I got here where we'd sometimes have hold times of you know, 20, 30 minutes for customers. And that's a whole experience. And so we really developed this CES layer to where they will solve low-level problems. So things that really can give solutions through a knowledge base article or some kind of pre-solved issue 
that they can just kind of deliver an email or a knowledge base article to our customers to provide the solution for them. But really, their main job was to, if they couldn't resolve it, to get it to the next level as quickly as possible so that they were, again, available to pick the phone up or take an email or, or whatever needed to be done. And we reduced our hold times on average from about four minutes. So I mentioned 20 or 30 minutes. That was obviously typically during peak periods and times where we had issues with potentially maybe a system outage or something else like that. And we had a lot of people calling in at the same time. But we went from about three and a half minute hold time down to about just under a minute hold time for our customers by introducing the CES organization and making this part of the remit to really try to get issues moved through the system as quickly as possible so that people weren't holding for agents. Wow. So in 2017, you did a lot of due diligence and came up with a design. 2018, you implemented that design. And in 2019, you started addressing more profusively all those different challenges that were happening in the customer experience and optimizing the design of how you approach them. What happened at the end of 2018? Did you see the outcomes you were expecting? We, we really did. And, and you're exactly right. The, the approach we took was kind of this concept of MVP or our minimum viable product. When we went into 2019, we really were in a bare bones, just what is the structure we needed to get it up and running, get everybody in the structure and get it functioning as we had designed it to function. And then 2019, as you mentioned, was all about refinement. Okay, all of these things that were kind of in our parking lot that we wanted to do, but we didn't have to do to get it up and running. Let's start working on those and layering those and adding optimizations and refinements and really getting the system more efficient. And part of this was really a big change cycle for our teams because we were asking them to do things much differently than they previously did them. In the old world, they would be first responders. They would answer the phone and they would work with the customer until the problem was solved. And while that is an ideal scenario, what that was causing was it was tying our people up on a lot of times issues that they were not the best resource to solve. And so it might take them two times longer because their specialty may be in accounting where what they really needed was connectivity support. And so they would fumble their way through it. And and it was just a very inefficient way to route issues to people that are most appropriate for it. And so we really had to retrain everybody in a new system that said, hey, when you get a case, I know your instinct is to just hold on to it until you completely get it solved and the customer's happy, right? That may be not the best way for us to approach it. Maybe what we're going to ask you to do now is only work on it for about 30 to 45 minutes. And if you don't have a clear path to resolution, let's get it to somebody who's specialized that can do it a lot more quickly. Because while that may be great for the one customer that's holding for you, there's three or four other customers waiting for you to get done with that issue that you could probably solve a lot more quickly and expeditiously. And so we really worked to kind of identify skills and get things routed more efficiently to people who are more skilled and so that the cases flow through the system more quickly and customers are ultimately getting faster and and more complete results. So as, as you can see, 2018 was really the year we were building things out. And this is kind of what the satisfaction levels were prior to us moving to the new structure. It wasn't terrible, but it certainly wasn't where we wanted it to be. So we were around 88, 89%, which is still pretty good. But we knew we could do a whole lot better than that. And so as we rolled the new program out in 2019 and the new structure out, we jumped from about 88, 89% 
up to about 93% in 2019. And so, and then 2019, we really worked to refine things and we took another leap from about 93% to almost 96% in 2020. And as you can see, we continued that improvement in 2021. And by the way, this is going to be an ongoing journey for us. I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we're going to say we've arrived and we, you know, we're, we're, want to be and there's nothing else that we're going to do to improve and implement. We, we believe in continuous improvement. So there's things every year that we're doing to kind of continue to refine and improve uh, the process. But we've had great uh, success with the customer experience and the customer's perception of, of the service that we deliver for them through this journey. David, at what point did you say, okay, I have done significant changes in culture processes and training to the employees themselves. And now I'm ready to double down on scaling that process. And I'm only asking is because it seems like you took a very step-by-step approach. Step number one, you, Mr. CSM, send the, the article that you're recommending to the customer. It sounds to me like most companies, the next stage would be what, like chatbots or? Yeah, absolutely. And we are working on that right now. So really 22 this year, we put a big emphasis on automation. And when I say automation, I'm of the mindset that we've got to be really careful with the automation we expose to our customers. Now, internal automation, we can do a lot of things around like auto filling out fields for the agents. If they know a certain value in the case is, and they have a cascade number of fields they have to fill out. If we can automate a lot of that for them, that makes them more efficient. So we're focusing on that. We are focusing on kind of our internal processes and flows and skill routing and those types of things that will make our internal systems more efficient and our agents more productive. The other thing that we're looking at is from a customer standpoint, can we add additional channels? Can we optimize those channels? Let's add chat. So we added chat this year to our customers. We've done that. There's more that we're doing on that because the chat we have implemented is really if a customer goes to our support portal to try to get help and they can't get help in a chat, they're able to open a chat session there on the portal. We're working this next year with our products teams to actually integrate chat into our products. So integrate that into the ERPs so that instead of having to go to a portal, our customers now can just go in within the ERP and open a chat session right there with our support team. So those are absolute optimizations that we're working on that are going to continue to move that customer experience forward. Would you say that centralizing the customer success, customer support, professional services all under one organization is part of the M&A playbook? So as companies think about continuously acquiring more and more companies, they should think ahead about an M&A playbook. And that means that I'm going to start centralizing certain processes under one management so that there's a consistent way of doing business with us versus a very patchy experience. There's just no question about it. And Mm -hmm. what we've done is we've actually, um, I've hired a dedicated resource that is their full-time job is to help integrate our acquisitions into our services organization, because that's key and critical. Obviously, as companies know that, that are acquisitive, they know that the time that it takes to recognize the synergies of the businesses coming together, the faster you can do that, the faster you realize those synergies. The longer it takes you to integrate, the longer it takes to reach those synergies. And sometimes you don't even reach the synergies if if it goes on too long, right? So really being efficient in integrating those teams, but also there's a, a balance to be struck 
because the, um, I'm going back to this reoccurring theme of change here is when you integrate a new business into, when we do, into our organization, it's a micro effort of what we went through when we brought all the divisions together. We still have to go through pretty much the same steps that we did because it's that really bringing them in the way we brought everybody at the very beginning. And so we really kind of have a, we use the playbook we use to bring all the organizations together we use a version of that for all of our new uh, businesses that we acquire. Would you say that one of the impacts that emerged up of that initiative that you've done is that now the exercise of acquiring a new company and bringing their support and services team into the fold is much faster, more efficient, more smooth? It is. And, and we've got the balance that we have to strike is the business wants to mash it in as soon as possible. But the people element of it is one that we I can't overemphasize how important that is because the people that you're acquiring are the people that made that business great and attractive for you to purchase that business. And so if you lose those critical people as you bring them over, you've lost a lot of the secret sauce that made that company what they were. And so the retaining of the talent in those acquisitions is, is super critical. The knowledge they have, the expertise in the ad industry that they have, like there's so many reasons to retain them. And so we've got, as you acquire those businesses, you've got to take a look at the business goals and, and get, you know, all the systems integrated and all that other kind of stuff. But you also have this massive people piece that you have to make sure that you give clarity to those folks as to kind of what the future looks like, their part in the future, give them a very clear vision of what the changes will look like and, and why you're doing the changes. You know, the why behind all of it is so important because a lot of times you're going to acquire companies that may actually be even more evolved than you from a system standpoint or from a process standpoint or whatever else. And you're asking them to come in and join in this. And their first idea is, well, we were so far ahead of you guys in this. Why are you making us go back? So then kind of having those why discussions around, hey, we in order for us all to gain the efficiencies and scalability and all this other kind of stuff and visibility into the business, we have to have in the same systems. And it's, it's easier to move you into our systems than us move into your systems by far. So let's talk about how we can get on parity with you all as we move you over. Let's talk about how can we minimize the change uh, that there is. Can we add some of the stuff you guys did into our systems? Absolutely. We want to be open to that. We want to learn from in fact, that's why, part of why we acquire companies is because they all do some things great that probably they even do better than we do. And we want to learn from that and, and continue to improve through that as well. Wow. Excellent. David, I am really feel very blessed to have had you on our channel and to be featured on our episode, because I think I get a lot of questions about that process, whether companies have already went through a bunch of M&As and they have these fragmented service teams all over or they have already done that, but most of them, I would say, are having a lot of challenge in getting those teams under one management. And so sometimes they do like a hybrid solution where, okay, let's just set up a center of excellence and try to get all these teams, even though they don't report to one person to act the same. And there's so much shenanigan that's going on. And it seems like you're just very fortunate to have the right enrollment conversations and getting the appropriate solution for ECI software. So Yeah, and I will I will say that each acquisition has its own unique set of challenges. And so we continue to refine our process because every time we acquire a company, we learn something a little new that we didn't know before. And we try to roll that into our next, into our process, into our playbook. 
so that the next time we account for that as well. So we're continuously improving it and it's getting better and better. We did struggle there, but it certainly has improved significantly as we've been doing that. David, if you had to look back, what would you recommend to yourself going towards 2018 and that big organizational change and say, these are the three things you absolutely have to do to really be successful at it. it meaning like if there was another executive that was just about to embark on yeah. it, what would you recommend them do? Well, I, I think that the most critical piece in all of this is that change management process. You've got to do a really, really good job of getting all of your key stakeholders really bought into this because if you don't get them bought in, then there will always be resistance to the process. If you can get them bought in and make them advocates, then it, it really breaks down a lot of the barriers that you otherwise would have. And getting that alignment across all of the stakeholders and getting them excited about the prospects and really doing your diligence enough on the front end to where you can actually go in with a business case of, this is the problem that we're trying to solve. This is what we're hearing from our customers. This is what we plan and our solution that we propose for it. And then here are the results that we're expecting and have some hard kind of, you know, obviously as you're building out a business case, there's a lot of assumptions involved, but you can really get some hard numbers through others that have gone through a similar transformation and really sell the value of it to the business and not just, hey, this is making things easier for you and our customers, but this fundamentally for people who go through this transformation, it brings real business value and, and increased valuation to your company that you don't get if you don't go through this. And so that change cycle, getting everybody on board, getting everybody kind of behind the initiative is super important. And then that communication throughout, right? That you have to make sure that as you're going through this change cycle and, and through all of these big changes that you've got a communication cadence to make sure that the stakeholders are aware of what's happening, when you get to the point where you can start getting results and measuring things that you're able to communicate the improvements and the measurements as you go through that whole process, if you can keep them engaged, if you can communicate with them and then show the positive results, that breaks down a lot of the friction that you're going to have as you start going through that. So I think that to me, that's the foundational layer that everything should be planned upon as you're going through the big change. I think the second piece of it is, is, is you've got to start with the customer journey. What we said from the very beginning is, is we're not renovating our house. It's a full teardown and we're going down, we're going down to the foundation and we're building a brand new house. So forget about what we do today. Forget about our constraints that we have today. Forget about the budget challenges and everything else that we have today. And let's take a look at if we're going to deliver an exceptional service for our customers, we have to understand what they would want. And so we went through a whole journey mapping exercise where probably for the first half of this exercise, it was getting people out of saying, well, we can't do that. Or today we do this. And so we can't do that. And getting that out of everybody's head. So we, we did a role play essentially to get them out of thinking about from their perspective but getting into the customer's shoes. And so we mapped out a, a journey and then we said, okay, now our challenge is let's operationalize this. How do we create a system that can deliver this journey for our customers consistently in a scalable way? Because ECI is a very acquisitive company. And so we probably acquire five to six new companies a year. So as we grow, we have to be able to deliver a consistently excellent experience with our customers even as we bring in new companies and bring them into our organization, we've got to be able to do that consistently. And defining what that looks like is the most important part uh, that you have to do at the beginning. Yeah, lots of great things to learn here. I want to thank you for your time today. I absolutely enjoyed the conversation. Any other last takeaways regarding the whole process or where you're going to go from here? 
Yeah, well, we're, we got through all the support stuff and we're actually in the middle of now doing the same thing with our professional services organizations. And you know, this is a little bit more complex because of, of just the professional services business model that we have and, and the revenue associated with it and all of that other kind of stuff is, is so much different and complex. But certainly seeing some early real good benefits from that, it's a greater visibility and everything. So we're in the middle of that. That'll be going on for another probably year or so, but we're excited to get to the other side of that and start recognizing some of the same benefits that we have in sport. We're seeing some real early indicators of that already, which has been great. So I appreciate you having me on today and it was good chatting with you.